Hey everybody, welcome to the IGN Movies Podcast, Keeping It Real. This is Jim, joined by Roth. Hello. Uh, Chris Carl is on vacation this week, so we have uh, some stuff we're gonna we're gonna talk to you all about this week. Otherwise, why the hell did you tune in? Um, let's start as always with last weekend's box office, where Guardians of the Galaxy remained number one. It is now the number one movie of the summer. It's uh, made seventeen point one million last week, and according to our very own summer box office wrap up. It is now the number one movie domestically, uh, both of the summer and of the year, with 200, well, this is as of uh, Monday, Labor Day, 280.5 million. Um, Not too shabby, but it's still, no movie so far has passed 300 million uh, for the summer. Although Guardians is poised to, to make that. But it's the first time that's happened since 2001. Um, and there were a lot of movies, Roth, that, that did okay, uh, but no out-and-out bombs except for, really, Sin City 2. Yeah. Yeah. It's a different day. <laughs> I uh, mean, it's Guardians. Guardians, it's like, it's it's really interesting because it feels like this late summer, early autumn period is like what January used to be, where it's like, very little films that aren't doing very well films that that people have very little interest in um they're not necessarily there's some really great little gems out there but that are smaller and that just aren't going to do huge numbers um and then the middle level films are the ones that are trying to compete against guardians just aren't all that critically acclaimed a and audiences aren't interested b well uh also, uh, last weekend, As Above, So Below was fourth place of the newcomers that actually did the best. It was 8.6 million, considering it was made for like a buck and a quarter. I suppose that's not bad. November Man, though, is pretty much DOA, uh, sixth place with 7.9 million. I guess, like we talked about last week, I guess this just another nail in the coffin of the old action stars. Mm-hmm. And then Ghostbusters uh 1.8 million uh from just like i want to say it was like 700 and something screens and a re-release for that so um so let's talk about uh what's uh, happened in this week in the news shazam uh the rock says that he is going to play black adam and uh what uh, what do you think about that? Should he have been Shazam, or are you okay with him being Black Adam? I think it depends on what they're planning on doing with the character, because it felt like everything that that was said or written is that they were trying to follow up interviews. The the big stress was like that he was an antihero, which means that at a certain point, the antihero can become. That's such a weird word because it's used differently in different contexts like people call Walter White an anti-hero I don't think he really is I think he's a villain that we understand um that we came to know but an anti-hero typically is like the reluctant hero who becomes more heroic over time so you would think that his character then has become play more of a heroic role potentially in the wider universe that they're creating but it's the confusing part about that is that the the head of New Line, which is a subsidiary of Warner Brothers, and as the they're basically a glorified production company now. They used to be their own distributor and everything, but uh, he says that the movie will have a different tone, be more fun 
than uh, the other established, you know, DC, basically Batman v Superman, which the, I guess the read between the lines part of that is it's a separate universe from those movies, um, which to me just seems completely counterproductive. But, you know, as someone who covers TV, then you're kind of used to it at this point, all the DC stuff getting splintered apart like that. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting question because they're definitely having the TV and movies world separated, right? So um, they're doing that to create a m more freedom for themselves. They don't have to. If something happens on the TV, in a TV show, Arrow TV show, it doesn't impact things that are going to happen in the movies, right? So yeah. like, it does create a certain amount of freedom for them, and it's also a train that that hath done left the station. You know, Arrow's up and running, Flash is about to be up and running, Constantine's going to be... So, like, for them to try and retrofit, like, to fit their movies into that world would be crazy. So I kind of get it, but whether the whole DC universe will be united the way Marvel is or not is an interesting question. Marvel Studios, that's all they are. Warner Brothers has a million different things going yeah. on. Um I don't know. I mean, I, I obviously they're uniting it to some degree because Dawn of Justice is certainly going to introduce a lot of characters in the same world. Yeah, I mean, I feel like uh, I could see Shazam and, and Flash or Shazam and <clears throat> even Wonder Woman to a degree because they both have that sort of ancient world sort of tie um, kind of kind of mixing, but... I don't know. It'll be curious to see how this plays out. Would it be interesting to you if in whatever movie The Rock is in that Shazam's meaning Captain Marvel, that character is not in it at all? Like what if what if what if the, it's a movie literally about Black Adam in which <laughs> which I Captain mean, Marvel does not make It's an not it's not of the realm of possibility that maybe he maybe he gets his own spin off movie at some point. Um, I think, I, I think Shazam will be, and there are some, some folks, uh, have suggested, um, what if he plays both roles? Yeah. But I, 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 I don't know. That seems overly complicated and, and kind of unnecessary. Who, who do you, uh, who would you like to see play Shazam? A lot of people, there are so many different recommendations, but one that I thought might make kind of sense, depending on what the tone of the movie is, is Joe Montaca. I can never say his last name. Yeah. Joe Montanello? Uh, Montanello? I, I, had a, I had to say it a few months ago for um, Sabotage. It was uh, Mangello, I think. Mangello? Something. Good Lord. I don't know. Mangello. <laughs> I apologize because it's. I should know how to pronounce his name but i don't from true blood who played el seed um, i i kind of wouldn't mind seeing um like channing tatum do yeah it. i think he's got that sort of aw shucks kind of quality but to that him. doesn't that mean that he then could not be um oh that's yeah. right he's up for gambit yeah ah yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, no that's not gonna happen then yeah because he's been talking about gambit forever oh yeah no you're right totally forgot about gambit on yeah. that one um uh Rob Riggle was suggested by Joshua Yale, our comics editor, and that's kind of an interesting pick. Um, let's talk about Batman v Superman. Now, there were some set photos this week that showed Jesse Eisenberg on set with his head covered up, like, strategically, which begs the question, are they hiding his bald head 
or does he have those surfer locks that some rumors said that he would have? Either way, they didn't want the public to see it. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> what do you think? Is he bald or does he have surfer hair? I don't think he's going to start bald. I don't. Yeah? Yeah. I could see the surfer hair only because I think that they're going to go for, a, you know, that young punk, not literally. Um, th- I know they had talked about the young punk thing yeah. literally before, but I feel like it's more going to be like that, that upstart, that very young billionaire. Yeah. Who still. I mean, I almost see him more like a hipster. Kind of, yeah. You know? you know what I mean? Like that guy that is so young that he's a billionaire, but he doesn't dress in a suit every day to go to his office. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, not personally, but. No. I don't know that guy. <laughs> I picture him having like <laughs> Owen Wilson's hair then. Yeah. We're just. That's us <laughs> rolling in. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that that it's a tricky. Eric and I were Eric Goldman was talking about this earlier, where it's such a tricky line because, he, you know, some of the movies that are most beloved make changes. Yeah, they they do. I mean, the Nolan films certainly certainly didn't you know adhere to everything that was canon. Yeah, and. Uh, Y'all seem to like those okay. So yeah. um, I, I missed uh, a perfect segue when we were talking about Uh-oh. Shazam, that Captain Marvel, to talk about Marvel's Captain Marvel. James Gunn said that Captain Marvel, formerly known as Ms. Marvel, will not be introduced in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Um, you know, there there had been some rumors, I think it was Badass Digest who floated these, about um, – that she's not going to pop up in Avengers 2 either, even though initially they were going to have, and this is just a rumor, um, you know, but maybe another, you know, future Avengers kind of showing up at the end of Avengers 2. That's Again, it's a rumor. It's not a spoiler because we don't know if it's fact or not. And even if it's fact at this point, aren't you all kind of like used to just people popping up now in Marvel movies. I mean, I feel like it kind of goes without saying, but how do you feel about Captain Marvel kind of being, it sounds like saved more for her own movie rather than being introduced uh, in one of these other films? I think it makes sense. Um, I think that's a very full movie already. Yeah. It's going to be introducing a lot of characters that I probably will play out in a bigger way down the line. Some who won't because they'll be dead robots. Um, but you know, you're introducing the vision who's already going to be an interesting character for a mass audience to connect with. You're introducing Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. I mean, more Thanos, more Thanos. Well, I don't think so. Actually. I don't think so. No. Yeah. I think post credit scene maybe, but not in the movie itself. No. Um, one other Marvel thing uh, that I don't quite buy, but there was a report. I don't buy it. I think, the, I think, I think it was a New York I think we should start a, a segment <laughs> called I Don't, I don't Buy It. it. Uh, there was a report. I want to say it was maybe New York Daily News. It was a New York paper who said that Wesley Snipes uh, is lined up to return as Blade for a $3 million deal. Like, I, I, I don't buy that because I feel like – Marvel now has the rights to Blade back. They don't need Wesley Snipes. No, they don't. He, he might be Blade for that generation, but guess what? Michael Keaton was Batman. He moved on. Like Christian Bale was Batman yeah, like three and now years we, ago. Yeah, now we have Ben <laughs> Affleck. So they don't need Wesley Snipes. And frankly, I don't see Wesley Snipes getting paid $3 million by anybody. He's just out of prison. And Expendables 3 tanked. I don't see why. I I just, I don't buy it. I don't buy it either. We don't buy it 
in a united front of not buying it Ness. I don't think so either. I mean, listen, I, I don't know what Wesley Snipes can do to resurrect his career at this point because he wasn't in prison for that long. It was only, what, like... A couple of years. A couple of years. Two or three years. But it's so a different well. world, even yeah. in just that short period of time. And I think probably The Expendables shows that it's not very obvious how he or any of that group yeah. fits into it. Yeah. Um, it sounds mean, and I don't mean... I don't mean that. No, in a but mean he way. he needs. Uh, but he also didn't have the best reputation as someone to work with. No, he didn't. So, I mean, getting second chances from people beyond Sylvester Stallone, I don't really. I mean, why would Marvel want to give second chances to a guy who was a notorious pain in the ass on the all the Blade movies? They wouldn't. You know, they're, they're just, not going to sign him gonna on. It's not going to happen. You know. Yeah. Um, if they re- if they do Blade, they'll recast it. Is my guess. Yeah, and also, I mean, he's also in in his fifties and stuff. I, I'm sure they're gonna go for some young, young up and comer. Young punk. Uh, let's see. There were some also some rumors about Escape from New York, and that the the rumor, and I think it was according to Starlog, was that you know there there've been talks about a, re- a re- reboot. Who? Yeah, <laughs> that's going back away. Starlog. Um, it's uh, that it would be a team movie and Snake's past would only kind of come up via like PTSD kind of stuff. It would but be a what movie? A team. A team of guys. Oh, okay. And Snake would be like their leader. I thought you said a teen movie. I thought yeah, it was going to be Snake. Snake in high school. I thought it was going to be Snake as a teenager. <laughs> yeah. And I either was going to love it or be so angry right now. <laughs> like. Give me your lunch money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's how he lost his eye. Um but uh, picked on the wrong. <laughs> that's right. Nerd. You you put the wrong guy in his locker, pal. Um, so <laughs> a couple of the actors rumored uh, to be on the the wish list to play Snake include Dan Stevens from Downton Abbey and the new horror movie The Guest. Well, I can tell you who would not be happy with that. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that okay. in a second. John Bernthal, Shane from Walking Dead, mm-hmm. and then Charlie Hunnam from Pacific Rim. Soon to be seen as King Arthur and for Guy Ritchie. Uh, so, before we talk about who we know won't be happy with that, <laughs> what do you think of any of those three actors for that role? The only one, I don't think any of them are right at all. Yeah. But the only one that I think maybe possibly could pull it off is John Barenthal. Yeah, me too. Uh, I think, you know, Charlie Hunnam, I could see the look a little bit, but I'm just not. Not the attitude, though. I, you know what? I haven't watched Sons of Anarchy. I don't really know. Like, you know, it's it just sort of he just doesn't seem right to me. See, this is the thing with Pacific Rim. When I saw Pacific Rim, I was like, if you had a modern day Kurt Russell who had that kind of swagger and attitude and it was so charming and funny um, that brings that would infuse that role with that kind of energy, it would have. I think made the movie a different film, like yeah. made it a lot more fun to watch in those long periods where there were no monster fights. But I mean, you look at Guardians of the Galaxy and what Chris Pratt yeah. did, you know, that yeah. kind of that kind of oh, Chris Pratt. Um, but but uh, Snake's a little more of a badass than that, though. But yeah, he, he's also, according to somebody that you talked to, mm-hmm. has a very something that really defines him, and that the actor who has to play him needs to have or be why don't you tell folks a little bit about who we're talking about so here? so kurt russell who was obviously snake well this is my point is that i had said that if charlie if it had been a kurt russell but charlie hunnam doesn't have that or didn't at least in what i've seen him in yeah um 
Kurt Russell said that Snake needs to be an American, (laughs) (laughs) which I think is really funny. But he was like, if there's one thing I know about Snake, he is an American man in his prime. Like he was saying, even in the sense of like, he would never want to reprise the role because he's too old. And he's like, no, man, like that character is about that moment. Also, it's about, you know, an American man in his prime. But he was also like, look, the movie itself, Escape from New York, we'll leave L.A. out of it. Hmm. Escape from New York was about that moment in New York where it was so crazy and out of control and there were no rules and it was chaos everywhere that it felt like, hey, why not? Sh- screw it. Shut it down. Turn it into a prison. It's yeah. that bad. Yeah. You know? That's a bit of an exaggeration, but not that much. I mean, the New York of the late 70s and yeah. early 80s was, you know, this gave us Death Wish and so many other wonderful things. Hey, uh, real quick, just to dial back to, to Shazam, we forgot to mention that Darren Lemke the writer of Shrek Forever After and Jack the Giant Slayer yeah. will write the script. So uh-huh. I forgot to mention that. Uh, yep. And now you can know why. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Shadow of the Colossus, the uh, movie version of the game, has been in development at Sony for a long time. And today we found out that the director of Mama, Andres Maschietti. Mama. He's going to direct it. Um, I guess he has a really cool take on it. I'm going to throw out a couple of other news items. How to Train Your Dragon 3 has been postponed, and it's released, postponed an entire year from June 2016 to June 9th, 2017. Um, And uh, I think it was supposed to open up against Finding Dory. Now that's being, obviously, they're dodging that bullet. Yep. Um, Also, I mean, the last one... Uh, and this is part of our summer box office wrap-up story, but it made something like forty-two million less than yeah. the first one, but it was still w- one of the top-grossing movies of the summer. It's it still made a ton of money though. Over, I yeah. mean, that's the thing is like over time. It, I don't think it felt like as big a hit when it wasn't as the first one, but over time, it made a huge amount people of money. People seemed to love it. Yeah, and it, people it loved it. It good reviews. Nobody seemed to dislike it. I have wondered, like, why a full year? I think, like, maybe the script really just isn't there. Yeah. And they're like, no, we need time to make or this Or maybe work. they also realize, I mean, because 2016, I think, is also, um, there's another big Pixar thing coming. Is yeah. The Good Dinosaur? That? No, The Good Dinosaur is 2015. There's a... Uh, Finding Dory. I feel like there's another one for 2016 that they have coming out, but um, but uh, let's uh, let's talk about uh, Ghost in the Shell. Okay. Uh, Rupert Sanders, the director of Snow White and the Huntsman, is directing it, and now Margot Robbie from Wolf of Wall Street is said to be starring in it. I had so many gossipy thoughts when <laughs> I did. Oh, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I won't get into it, but I'm gonna confess that my first thoughts were like, "Yeah, put those two together." <laughs> <laughs> that that'll end well for them. Um, what do, What do you think I about that? I mean, you that. know some of the, um, y- you know, Ghost in the Shell f- far better than I do. I think, right? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think I do. I mean, because when we were doing uh, Pacific Rim, you were, you kind of talking about Evan, you were doing a Evangelion. lot of like, oh yeah. See, that's how little I understand um, this stuff. But your kids with your your mangas and your <laughs> anime. <laughs> I think I think that the number one big thing that people have been saying in comments and I'm not surprised is is that she's a really white girl. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, like yet another. I mean she's not just a white girl. She's like 
It's like a leather, another you, last airbender. Yeah, somebody, somebody was like, she, I mean, especially too in in Wolf of Wall Street, she really was made to look like a Barbie doll. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, that's that is concerning. It's not, it's not maybe the most trusted team doing <laughs> it. <laughs> you know, like. Um, there's some concerns I think around it that are really legitimate, especially for people that are attached to the franchise and big fans of it. Like that right there is it's, it does kind of set off alarm bells. Like um, where are you going to set it? Are you going to set it in Japan or like where, do you know what I mean? Like wh- wh- how, just how far off a field, how far fields from the source material is it going to get? I, I mean, I'm, I'm at this point, I know that they've been trying to, to get that off the ground for years, I believe I believe Spielberg is like an executive producer on there, so we'll have to we'll see. But you he, know, he's put his I mean, look at he's put his name on a lot of things in the last few years. I mean, they've dialed back. I think um, from how much they were lending out his name because it started to be on a lot of things that people were like, "This isn't good," you know. But especially in TV. What do you think of uh, um, this next piece of news? That's uh, TV series based on a movie, Chips. You know, it's going to be, I mean, the, a movie based on the TV series, Chips. And it's Dax Shepard is going to write, direct, and star in it as John and Michael Pena as, as Punch. And uh, they've been trying to do a Chips movie for, like, ages. But I, I, is this just basically like the poor man's 21 Jump Street then? Maybe, but maybe it's amazing. I don't know. I mean, because yeah. when it, here's the first of all, I want to say that the team that I was talking about with Ghost in the Shell, I was not talking about Spielberg. So it's not like I'm like that hack. Um, but Chips, I feel like when we first heard that 21 and up until the moment of the screening, I thought 21 Jump Street was going to suck. I really did. I thought it was a terrible idea. This is how you're going to reboot. Like, what? And then I, I, right after the screening, I was like, God, that was hilarious, brilliant, and wonderful. So you never know. The thing that kind of concerned me in the description, it was like, they're going for a very serious tone. And then I'm like, please don't do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, why yeah. would you? Then I'm I'm less sold on the idea. Um one other little news item, and then we're going to talk about uh, fall movies. Uh, a short film based on Frozen is in the works. It's going to reunite um, uh, Elsa and Anna, Kristoff, and Olaf. And it's called Frozen Fever, and it's going to come out in early 2015. So, um, you know, that's I, it'll probably, I wonder if that's going to be sort of like their game plan until they figure out what to do with an actual feature length sequel is just sort of kind of take that toy story model of just doing the little shorts or something like that here and there um seems like a good idea but this is the thing is that they're not just doing that they have frozen appearing the frozen characters appearing on once upon a time they have a book series yeah i mean they're milking this cow this golden cow (laughs) for all she can give but like i don't blame them i mean it's it's a phenomenon I think, yeah, they, they don't know yet what to do in a sequel. And that's not a sequel you want to blow after, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, no, that's the one that, yeah, you, because that'll be a pretty infamous, like, you know, that'll be on every list of, you know, disappointing sequels yeah. to cool movies. Yeah. Um, I want to take a couple of reader emails. Uh, did you, did you uh, tweet I out? I haven't, like tw- I should have uh, tweeted. It's, nah, it's too late now, but it's it's cool. Next next week, we'll, we'll do that. Okay, um, I'm sorry. Guys. Liam wrote in about Batman versus Superman, and 
uh, he was wondering, uh, what do you guys think the movie needs to do in order for it to qualify as a, a success? Does it have to just do well financially? Should it be a strong stepping stone in order for DC to continue to the to world build? Personally, I think BVS is a win if it gets me excited for Zack Snyder leading the charge for more DC movies. I, I think I think it needs to be a billion dollar grosser. I think it needs to be their Avengers because Man of Steel did really well, but it didn't break a billion. None of the X-Men movies have, but they're looking at, you know, Marvel and they they see that kind of cash cow from putting that team movie out there. Iron Man 3 crossed a billion. Like they I think psychologically they need that. I think if it's less than that, if it's only like a hundred million more than like what Man of Steel made, which to us sounds obscene that people would think like that, but I just think it needs that. I think they need that bragging right. What if it's, I mean, do you think the critical response is a factor as well or no? Do you uh, think it matters if critics like it? I don't. I think it's critic proof. I think. Uh, I mean, it's definitely critic proof. But I mean, in terms of. I like think it would it would be nice. I think if for them to say like, because you think about how well the Nolan movies were received, right. but Man of Steel was pretty divided mm-hmm. response, like a real love it or hate it kind of thing, um, and. Uh, I don't. I didn't have either yeah. of the, those. I, I really, I really liked Man of Steel, but it was. I, I want. I just think. The issue ultimately is so like Henry Cavill just seems so serious, you know, just even as a dude, he just, well, you know, maybe we he talked about the, it last maybe week. Maybe he too. got the no joke email. <laughs> yeah, he knows. <laughs> he knows better. Um, let's see. I uh, actually have an email from somebody about, from Shane, about the uh, all-female Ghostbusters reboot. And um, which one? he was suggesting... Emma Stone, Mindy Kaling, and Jane Lynch, with maybe Katie Sackhoff in there, as the as Ghostbusters. As the Ghostbusters, yeah. sure, I would watch Jane yeah. Lynch as a Ghostbuster. I mean, again, like w- with, I just, I think it's that's a very tricky. You know what I would when I would get excited about a Ghostbusters reboot or remake or sequel or whatever it is, is if Chris Miller and Phil Lord were at the helm yeah that's the moment that i would be like i believe in you i believe in you so much that i believe that you can even get this right until that happens i just (laughs) think it's a bad idea (laughs) i think it happens it is dead to you i just think you should leave ghostbusters alone we have one more uh reader email i want to get to and it is from jonathan who asked what do you think the next big opening weekend will be uh as in 40 plus million well looking at September, uh, I don't see any. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, Equalizer and Box Trolls are some big releases. Maze Runner. But Maze Runner, I really feel like is going to be in the 30 million range. I, I, I think, I don't I don't think we're going to get that this month um, in September. When is Dumb and Dumber 2 coming out? That, I want to say is November? Yeah. Yeah, I want to say it's November. Um I almost I think feel Annabelle like could do it though. That's early. Oh, you're October. right. You're right. The horror movies. There's, but, but it's opening up against Gone Girl and Left Behind, so yeah, you, you could have kind of some split audience 
attendance there. I think the next big $40 million movie will be that. It'll be either a horror movie like Annabelle or like Dumb and Dumber 2. Yeah. I yeah. mean, we're done, I think, with huge action openers. Yeah. Until like, until, yeah, until Mockingjay and then yeah. that'll... Um, speaking of, let's talk about what is opening up this fall. Not just this weekend, this fall. We have, we have, we have um, our autumn movie preview. And there is a lot of, um, there are a lot of cool little movies coming up. Like, I, I'm really looking forward to The Drop, because I read the Dennis Lehane um, short story. And um, there's this movie called Space Station 76, which kind of seems Doesn't like a, look funny? a Space 1999. But I... From what I understand, it's not played entirely for laughs. Mm. Um, and then uh, a walk amongst the tombstones, just because Neeson. it's it's Liam Neeson doing what he does best. Uh, do you have any interest in Zero Theorem, the Terry yes, Gilliam one? Desperately, yeah? I'm dying to see it. And yeah. then um, Equalizer and Box Trolls. I'm I'm curious in both. Uh, and then let's see the Jimi Hendrix movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's not a like, like I'm going through our list, and I, there's just not a lot of ones that jump out to me. Like, I have to go opening weekend for some of these, but I guess Mockingjay and Interstellar are the two that I'm really like the ones. Those are my must see ones. I have a few. I want to oh, see. Oh, and Fury. Those Fury. Are, yeah. The World War II movie. I want to see Gone Girl. You know, you know that oh, I'm yeah. really dying to see that. Zero Theorem. Whip. Smaller films that I really want to see. I already list. Whiplash, which is oh, yeah. the the Miles Teller, uh, J.K. Simmons. It was like a big uh, Sundance uh, darling a few months ago, right? He's a drummer or something. He, he's a drummer, and they said it's like Full Metal Jacket at Juilliard. Nice. Which I think is an awesome description. <laughs> like I'm like that's, that's enough. Pretty brilliant. I'm, like I'm sold. Yeah. Um, I want to see Foxcatcher, which oh, is yeah. with looks good. doesn't that look great with Bennett Miller? It's directed by Bennett Miller, Channing Tatum, um, about this Steve Carell with Steve that whole Carell makeover is, as yeah. a schizophrenic murderer. Yeah, it's a true story. It's, it's the John story. DuPont uh, murder story. I want to see Birdman, which I'm hearing really good things oh, about. Yeah. Dying Michael to see Keaton. that. Michael Keaton is a actor who played a washed up super, well, a washed up actor who played a superhero plus also the superheroes in it. Yeah. Definitely Interstellar. Um, uh, I want to see... I'm curious about Rosewater because it's John Stewart's mm. directorial debut. And it's uh, more of a drama than... More of a drama. Yeah. It's not a comedy. Big Hero 6 looks adorable. It does. Um, and then another one that I'm really looking forward to... I'm curious about Kill the Messenger, but just kind of curious. I um, read that guy's book years ago, the yeah. Gary Webb, the guy. He basically, if you guys don't know his story, he's he was this investigative journalist who <clears throat> put out a book alleging that the CIA... Uh, basically introduced crack cocaine to African-American communities in an attempt to essentially kill them off. Yeah. And he was, uh, the book obviously got a lot of attention, but then there was uh, basically like a backlash campaign and yeah. he ended up taking his own life. Yeah. yeah. Um, the feel-good movie of the year. Feel-good movie of the year. I also want to see Mockingjay. Yeah. Uh, which uh, I I don't know why I just laughed right now. I think I just laughed because I felt so uncomfortable all of a sudden. <laughs> um, and Theory of Everything, which is about Stephen Hawking. Which every time I see the trailer, and I don't care if you judge me, every time I see the trailer, I just tear up because I'm. It looks legitimately inspirational. Whereas yeah. I think a lot of times. 
with things that are trying to be inspirational in a hokey manner, they just don't, they fall flat. Yeah, no. This feels like legitimately like, cause, because it's true. That's who Stephen Hawking really is. And, and the actor playing him, uh, oh Eddie God. Redmayne, right? Yeah. yeah. He looks so a lot great. like young, young Hawking. He's, and he's a great young actor, too. Um, I want to see uh, John Wick. I want to see that, Keanu too. Reeves. You, you uh, talked about that. Yeah, but it's uh, I, I've I've heard a lot of cool things yeah, about yeah, it, yeah. and it's, uh, it's supposed to be a very cool hitman movie. Um, and Satan Vincent, it's Bill Murray playing. Um, basically, he's playing a sort of uh, mentor to this kid next door, and then Horns, the uh, Daniel Radcliffe movie, Most and Nightcrawler too. That looks really good. The <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal reporter movie. Yeah, that one does. I'm curious about Kevin Smith's Tusk. Tusk, isn't it? Uh, what's his name? Haley Joel Osment and and uh, Justin Long. Uh huh. Yeah. And Genesis Rodriguez for those who are interested <laughs> in Genesis Rodriguez. I think I met her on the set of Death Wish. Oh really? Was it? Was she? No. Was it? Was she in that or Man on the Ledge? She was Man on the Ledge. Huh. Okay. Um. So yeah, I think uh, I think Mockingjay though, in Dumb and Dumber too, are the two like huge ones that. I think the IGN audience are the one. The, and Interstellar, don't you think? Yeah. Or oh, like, yeah. And yeah. Interstellar. Yeah, yeah. Uh, those are the, the, the real big ones that uh, I would imagine you guys are all over. I kind of really don't care about Horrible Bosses too. Like, I like the first one, but I could totally just wait till video on that one. And yeah. Say, uh, but I'm also kind of curious about this Pablo Escobar movie. And it's um, uh, uh, Benicio Del Toro plays Pablo Escobar, the drug lord. And Josh Hutcherson plays this kid surfing in Colombia who meets the girl of his dreams who turns out to be Pablo Escobar's niece. And it's not a comedy. <laughs> it's not like Meet the Parents, but yeah, I really hope Colombian it's not. drug lord. Because if it was, I was going to be quite really upset with the film. If they were but like, it also, it doesn't it kind of sound like, um, I don't know, It like let's make this story about the young white guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it seems like Pablo Escobar's story is fascinating. I mean, he he became an elected official in, yeah. in Colombia. He basically ran the prison. They put him in prison, and he ends up just basically turning it into, like, his mansion. Um, and then the manner of his death, obviously getting tracked down by commandos and going out in a gunfight. I mean, his entire story in and of itself. So, like, taking it from the point of view of some American kid who – you know, is in love with some girl he meets on the beach. Like, it just... Eh, Not just interesting. No, I mean, I'm, I want to see it, but I just feel like there are better ways to get into the Pablo Escobar story. But do you think... I wonder, is, is that a, a hook that will get more people to see it? Possibly. Think? I mean, I think Josh Hutcherson is... Um, you know, he he could bring in a different segment of of an audience, but we'll have to we'll have to see it. It it, it opens up, I believe, around the same time as as uh, Mockingjay, so maybe Weird. he'll just <clears throat> excuse me, I'm losing my voice. We'll try and uh, you know uh, essentially promote that while he's promoting um, uh, Hunger Games. So, all right, opening up this weekend. Uh, is a small movie that you saw uh, called The Identical. Yes. And it really uh, uh, seems like a very bizarre movie. Tell folks a little bit about the movie. I wish I could in a cohesive manner. It's really weird. Um, 
So here's the basic idea is that they take, so you guys know, if you know anything about Elvis, Elvis had a twin brother who died, I think, at birth, at birth right? Yeah. He didn't even live a day. Yeah. No, right? he was stillborn, I believe. Um, and so this movie essentially takes this character, names, names him um, Drexel. And Drexel is like Elvis, only it postulates. So they don't call him Elvis. They call him Drexel. But he looks like Elvis and sings like Elvis and acts like Elvis. And Elvis exists in this and world. El- but Elvis exists in this world. and is men- It's so weird. But so Drexel, they, they postulate that what if the twin lived? And that the parents were so poor because it was during the Depression that they gave one of their kids away and pretended he died. And so they give this boy, um, Ryan to a preacher who was played by Ray Liotta and his wife, Ashley Judd, and they raise him and he grows up in this world where his twin exists and is really famous, but he doesn't know he's related. People are always like, you look exactly like him. You're a dead ringer. It's weird. And he's like, yeah, I know it's crazy. We're not related though. Um, (laughs) And then he goes on to become an impersonator of his twin until eventually, I won't tell you the end, but it's very strange. It has heavily religious overtones and undertones and gray tones and yellow tones. It's super <laughs> religious. And it's essentially about like the adopted father who is a preacher wants Ryan to follow his path and become a follow that calling and become a preacher. But he feels like he has a different calling. I got to sing, Daddy. I got to sing. <laughs> but it's really weird. And I don't think that it will the way that um, what was it? Heaven is real. Yeah. Um, that that really tapped into this Christian base and it ended up making a ton of money and like people mobilized the churches, mobilized around it and so forth. This one does not feel to me that that will happen. I don't think it appeals to these in a clear enough way to the Christian values that they'll want to like get behind and support. It's very Christian, um, but it's also... It'll probably uh, skew quite older too. Like I'm a huge Elvis fan. Yeah. I'm not... Eleven D, but um, I mean, I'm curious about it. But it was it it does seem like a movie that an incredibly uh, niche or niche. I, I never know how to say that niche. Niche. I even think that an Elvis biopic would have more appeal than this movie, which is yeah. just so strange because it's it's about Elvis, but it's not. Yeah. And it's about Christianity, but well, it's also I told not. you a little bit about, and um, and I'll repeat it for our listeners. But there was this. You, they they've revived uh, Twilight Zone a few times now for TV. Once just a few years ago, like mm-hmm. and uh, but in the '80s it was on for I want to say like a season, maybe longer. But they brought it back, and there was one episode about an Elvis impersonator, and and in contemporary times who goes back in time somehow to meet. Young Elvis, when he's just a teenage truck driver, right on the cusp of, you know, cutting his first album, uh, that would basically would kind of become this overnight success, and he meets young Elvis and ends up uh, young Elvis ends up getting killed, and this impersonator essentially assumes his life, and knowing how exactly how Elvis's life turns out, whether or not it would end up different when he end up you know overweight and dying from drugs in las vegas and this guy ends up making all the same mistakes and you see him you know as an older elvis heavy in vegas the gun the sunglasses everything and uh yeah so i feel like this movie sounds like the 
less Twilight Zone-y version of that. It kind going, of is. Know? I mean, and it's, but, but it's, it is a very, like, at the end, I really wasn't totally sure what, because it talks so much about God, and it talks so much about, uh, you know, if he's in your dreams, nothing can, like, that we have, we, each of us have some kind of thing that we're meant to do, or purpose, or whatever. Our density. Our density. Oh, so cute. <laughs> but, but it, um, I left very confused as to what his density was. <laughs> it was dense. That's all we know. Um, all right, guys. Well, that'll about do it for. Oh, wait. Wait, we have to do we box didn't... office. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I think we both agree Guardians of the Galaxy will just stay number one again. I'm going to say 12. Yeah, I'm going to. I'm going to agree with you. I think it'll be that. I mean, I, there's really nothing. Green Inferno, the Eli Roth cannibal movie, was supposed to open this weekend, and it got pulled. We talked about this on a po- past podcast, but it yeah. got pulled just weeks from release. So that was supposed to be like the big post-Labor Day release. Uh, so the identical, uh, obvi- uh, um, oddly enough, is the biggest new release. It's yeah. under like 2,000 screens, but it's like it's... I don't think it's going to make over $2 million. I yeah, really don't. I mean, I I think if it's 12th place, yeah. it's as good as it gets I for that. I think so, too. Um, so, yeah, I think, uh, you know, we both agree. Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy, number one, 12 million. Turtles, y- number two. Yeah, I think it's going to, there's really. Nothing's really going to move. I think it's going to go Guardians, Turtles. I think we have to wait till what next week? Is it next week? I think maybe Dolphin Tale Two. Dolphin Tale Two. I mean, it's and then weird. walk amongst but the tombstones. But that's what I mean. Like, doesn't too. it feel like we're in what used to be the dumping ground, where it's like, yeah, there's just because I was looking through and I'm like, man, like other than the very tiny movies that are either going to VOD or they're just smaller films that aren't going to get this kind of. Yeah, they're not going to make huge numbers. There's nothing, man, for Imagine like... Imagine if Edge of Tomorrow opened this weekend. It would have killed. Yeah. Killed. Oh, I'm sorry. Live, die, repeat. Whatever yeah, they're calling whatever it now. It is, I yeah, know. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah, I think um, just start uh, exploiting those different release dates, you know? Uh, it's It just, yeah. All right, guys. Well, uh, give us a shout out on iTunes. Uh, send us your ran the studios. That's right. Um, send us your thoughts at keepingitreal at IGN.com. But as always, thank you for listening. We will catch you next time.